0: Next on BYU Sports Nation, serious weekend woes
1: for BYU basketball. What in the world happened at Utah? And what it means for Cougar Hoops moving forward. We break down the specifics with big deal or no deal. And don't forget about football. Official game preparations begin. We'll talk to ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Plus, who is the star
0: basketball player transferring from UNLV? And a BYU student qualifies for the
1: Winter Olympics. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Your Monday is about to
0: get better. BYU Sports Nation back at it on December 16th. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a refreshed, vacationed, and fired up Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you have chosen to listen. Thanks for making us part of your day. Look, there's no way around it. Terrible weekend for BYU Athletics. Men's basketball, blowout loss in Salt Lake City to arch-rival Utah. Women's basketball loses to Utah in double overtime in Provo. Plenty of opportunities to close that game out. Couldn't get it done. And then women's volleyball, while they made it to the Sweet 16, and that was a great accomplishment in and of itself, they fall to USC in the Sweet 16. They lose a heartbreaking first set, 30-28. to 28. Couldn't really recover after that, so women's volleyball bows out after a solid season. Like I said, there's no way around it. It just was not a good weekend to be a BYU fan.
1: Yeah, it was rough, and uh, I spent the weekend in Phoenix, uh... And uh, watched the game on the Pac-12 network. Luckily, where I was, I could watch the Pac-12 network. And uh, yeah, ruined ruined the weekend. That's for sure. Uh, So we'll break down exactly what happened against Utah, what it means for this season, and then uh, where BYU needs to get better as they prepare for conference play, which is in 12 days. Here's your silver lining, if
0: there is any. BYU acquires a big-time transfer from UNLV. His name is Jamal Eitz. We have an official statement from the BYU Compliance Office about the specifics of when he can start helping the BYU hoopsters in practice and games. And, as I mentioned just off the top, a BYU student qualifies for the Winter
1: Olympics. Kate Hansen representing Team USA in the luge. Very nice. She's from San Diego. She's a BYU student. She's not... A BYU athlete. She's a world athlete. She's going to be in the Olympics, though. Very cool, Uh, representing in Russia in uh, 24. The world is our campus, and uh, we have uh, the luge (laughs) kug,
0: as uh, Spencer King, one of our production assistants,
1: coined this morning. The luge kug, Kate Hansen. Not just not just a a former BYU student or a current. This this person is enrolled. I don't know how many classes she's taking right now. While she it's final it's finals but.
0: week. Is, is Kate taking getting ready for finals right now? Oh, by the way,
1: you're going to be in the Olympics in two months. How cool is that? It, it, here's here's the coolest thing. She gets the so the opening ceremony. She's walking around with the free gear, hanging out with all the other U.S. Olympians. Like that's that's legit. That's really cool. Kate Hansen, nice work. Absolutely. Join the conversation today by tweeting at BYU Sports
0: Nation, by the way, and comment and like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to vote in today's poll question
1: on com, Which is, what hurts worse for BYU fans? A close loss to Utah in football, a blowout loss to Utah in basketball. Weigh in on Twitter, at BYU Sports Nation. You can vote on com. Also, tell us where you are listening to the show from. We always love to know.
0: We want to know exactly where you're venting about uh, the tough weekend from. You can listen to BYU Sports Nation weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM channel 143, byuradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app and Dish Network channel 980. Access our show on demand on byuradio.org. You can also catch the rebroadcast weekdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 Mountain on BYU Radio. Rise and shout, BYU Sports Nation! <laughs> Yeah, it's time for a Monday edition of What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports
1: Nation, Topic 1.
0: What the heck happened in Salt Lake City? Kyle Collinsworth on what he thought went wrong against the Utes.
1: Everything tonight. I mean, we didn't play well. I mean, we, we want to keep them under 65 points, but we still would have lost. And that's uncommon for us. We didn't shoot well from the field. Our defense wasn't where it needed to be. Just We were off in every category tonight. Just one of those nights.
0: I think that's a fair answer. Did anything go right for BYU? Not really. I mean, I, I was impressed with the quality of Josh Sharp's minutes, but the fact that Josh is a standout player in that rivalry game is an issue in and of itself. As a BYU fan, the loss stinks. There's no way around it. Awful. Some people starting to think BYU can't get it together for a rivalry game. Tyler Hawes could not disagree more.
1: No, we don't get tense. We don't get tense against anyone. Uh, We come out and just battle, and we we didn't hit shots tonight. And uh, we didn't didn't feel like ourselves for whatever reason, and we got to fix it.
0: This is the first true road test, in my opinion. Yeah, they played at Stanford. Not nearly the crowd. That was a 50-50 crowd. Yeah, there was a ton of BYU fans in uh, Maples – is it Maples Pavilion? Yeah. So this this was uh, their first true hostile environment. And, oh, man, was it hostile. I started up in the normal press area, up uh, uh, towards the upper bowl, which, you know, it's not a great place to be watching the game as a member of the media, but that – we won't discuss That's where that. the
1: majority of the media is <laughs> up there.
0: You're way up high. Second half, I was down on the baseline – Uh, standing next to the BYU cheerleaders. The Muss was, and that if you're not familiar with the Muss, that is... Were you you on the Muss side? The name of the Utah student section. The poor BYU cheerleaders are right in front of uh, all of that hatred and vitriol. They they took some serious uh, banter from the student section. But, man, it was... That place was louder than it's been in a very long time. And the signs... Uh, the saying, it, it's personal. Personal attacks. It was it was wild. And BYU's basketball team, when Utah starts hitting shots and the, the fans are going crazy. I mean, I i I haven't been in a basketball arena where I was like, wow, it's it's loud. It hasn't been this loud in a while. I mean, I, I was just thinking, I kind of want to plug my ears because it's that loud. It was that loud. And it takes a lot for me to do that. The Marriott Center gets loud, but the Huntsman Center was just wild. Rocking Jordan Loveridge knocking down those shots and BYU looked like deer in the headlights. Look, they just
1: got punched right in the mouth. What do you do? That was tough. That was tough. The first thing that sticks out to me about this game, BYU only scored sixty-four points. BYU could have could have scored eighty-two and won the game. They played really poorly on offense, and then Utah had a tremendous first half, especially the first part of the first half. BYU goes down by double digits. 16-5, to five, 4 minutes and 20 seconds into the game. From that point on, BYU never got it to singles the entire game. Utah poured it on, and they shot the ball well. When a guy like Parker Van Dyke, is that even his name? The kid from Hoosiers that has a shaved head that's, that <laughs> goes underhand. When that kid hits two threes, and BYU also just hit two threes. I think BYU went two for 13 until the last uh, two minutes where they hit three. It's going to be a long night. And like Kyle Collinsworth said, nothing went right, and then a lot of things went right for Utah. Some of which BYU could control. I thought that BYU could have played with more energy. I thought that they could have punched back when Utah punched. There's, It's not just about going down and making or missing a shot. There's a lot of details that go into the kind of shot you take. How aggressive are you in getting a good shot? Uh, BYU's offense has turned into... Uh, dribble-drive action, right? Feed Mika and he goes to work, or you get a bucket at the rim, ideally. Or you get an open shot. is not getting in a lot of open looks. Tyler Haas was hounded, and BYU only put up 64 points. Uh, the Cougars did not play a great game, and Utah played a pretty good game. This was the Utah Bowl game in football and the NCAA Tournament game in basketball. Utah's improved, but the fact that BYU lost to a team uh, like Utah I think is disappointing. Is really disappointing that BYU wasn't even competitive. I've seen Utah
0: dubbed as a Pac-12 sleeper. Had a few people tell me on Twitter, maybe this, this team's going to finish fifth or sixth in the Pac-12. They're not going to finish fifth in the Pac-12. I'm sorry, that conference is really good this year in basketball. Not only football, but in basketball, they're not going to finish fifth. Like I will be shocked if Utah finishes fifth. They're not better than six other packs or seven other Pac-12 teams. I'm sorry. They're just not. They're an average team that played a great game. They're getting they better.
1: Play, yeah, they played a really good. They're an game. average
0: team that played a fantastic basketball game. Had a great game plan. Coach Kristoviak should get huge credit. He had his team prepared. He had he coached a brilliant basketball game and utilized his fans in a rowdy crowd. And it it just it it's probably going to be one of their best wins of the season.
1: Look, if not the best win of the season, sure. They, I think they nip someone's heels in, in Pac-12 play at home. and that Arizona or somebody, I don't know. just They'll get one of those. Look, look, the last three games against Utah, BYU's not played well. BYU won 61-42 in the Huntsman Center two years ago, but they scored 61 points. Last year, BYU won 61, what was it, 58? Yeah, by three. Did not play a good game, trailed by 12 at home, against a worse Utah team. And now BYU goes up there and lays an egg with 64 points. BYU's got to figure it out against Utah they really do. They've won they won the last two of three, but get you know what? Bigger picture, BYU's won uh you know 11 of the last 13. They've dominated Utah. But the games the last 3 years under Chris Koviak have been much more competitive. He's a good basketball coach. He's doing good things with that program. The one thing that I did
0: take away from the game that I was like, you know what? It, it's good because I feel like the rivalry to a degree is now back. In basketball. Yes, let's
1: be competitive.
0: You have to win games. Both sides have to win to make it a rivalry. BYU winning 11 of 12, it was a rivalry game only because pe- because of the tradition. But tradition the tradition was gone because Utah was not winning. They had been bad for so long. Now they're getting better and so that I like that. That it's competitive and now it's the rivalry is like officially back. The last thing I want to say right here is you mentioned BYU only scored 64 points. Kyle Collins were said we want to hold teams to 65 or less. Was that just for the Utah game, or was that the mantra for the entire season? I, I got the impression that that is what BYU wants to do every game this year as a team. They want to hold teams to 65, play at the pace they want to play, and hold opponents to 65 or less. Ah, uh, wow. But then he said, you know what? Even if we had held Utah to 65, we wouldn't have won tonight. BYU scored 64.
1: Yeah, you had the bad combo of both. And BYU's average on the year is scoring 89 a game and allowing 78. And in some of BYU's losses this year, BYU's allowed just too many points. Listen, against Stanford, BYU had to score 112 to win the game. Uh, And then you look at Iowa State. BYU scored 88 but still lost because they gave up 90. Wichita State was a slow-paced game similar to this one. BYU loses 75-62. And then... uh, Against UMass, BYU scored 96, but allowed 105. We'll talk about that in a moment. BYU's got some defensive issues they need to clean up. BYU just played an awful game. They're not going to play a
0: worse game this season, in my opinion. It's unfortunate, and really, it's just, yeah, another, not a better word for it. It's really unfortunate that it happened against your arch-rival, Utah, but it's only one game. Topic 2. Okay, now it's time to take a big picture look. BYU head coach Dave Rose on moving on to a ranked Oregon team.
2: We got to go home and take finals, you know, for
0: three or four days and then get ready for Oregon. So doesn't get any easier? Oh, by the way, the Pac 12 uh, tests continue on the road against the Ducks. Jeremy. that's a game you're headed to in Eugene. And BYU, here, here's what's tough. You lose to Utah, so now you're kind of reeling. Instead of taking some momentum from a rivalry win, on the road feeling good about going to play a ranked Oregon team. Okay, here's the fourth ranked team that we're going to play and we're going to finally get one. Now you're dealing with man, what happened against Utah and now we've got Oregon. How how do you fix things enough to get ready for a very talented Ducks team?
1: You've got to figure some things out in a hurry and during this toughest academic week of the year with finals. Uh, coming up this week, like Dave Rose mentioned. It's a huge test with Oregon. And unfortunately, these losses are piling up. I didn't think BYU would walk out of non-conference play with possibly five losses. The game at Oregon will be extremely tough. It will be a big upset if BYU wins that game. Oregon's undefeated. Uh, they're a top-10 RPI team. Uh, it's This is a tough, tough game for BYU to go in and win. BYU will have some fans there, though, because it's in Eugene. A lot of LDS members in the Northwest will be there me and some family included. Um but how to answer your question, how does BYU get better? They, they they've got some things to fix. Um they've they've certainly got to play better defense. They've got to shoot the ball better. They need to take better shots. Um, th- these are just a couple of things that they can do better on. BYU's shown that they can be a really good team. And that's that's what we were talking about going into the Utah game. I said that BYU would win by double digits. I was so wrong. BYU got worked. And uh, it's time to bounce back. BYU typically is good in bounce-back games, Spencer. That's the thing. I was going to say, Dave Rose does not lose back-to-back games. He just doesn't, historically. But, but, Oregon's not on the end of that, the, t- the second game of that. It's, it's nor- it was normally a uh, Wyoming after a UNLV, or a uh, Pepperdine after a Gonzaga, or something. So, playing Oregon... This this is a tough one. BYU is going to have to play one of their best games and Oregon is extremely talented. I caught a little bit of their game against Illinois which was on prior on ESPN2 prior to the BYU Utah game. So it's it's going to be a challenge, maybe the biggest test all year. I anticipate BYU will play much better.
0: Dave Rose is a good basketball coach on so many levels. He is a great motivator after a loss. BYU will come out and play much better against Oregon. If they can win this game in Eugene, who's talking about the loss at Utah anymore? Nobody. The Utes. The Utes, that's it. Nobody. Okay? Just like when BYU football beat Texas after the loss to Virginia, everyone's like, eh, Virginia, whatever, that was an anomaly. Okay? If BYU can win this game, and I think that they will be competitive, it's going to be close because he's a great motivator, they will be ramped up, ready to go, because they want to get rid of that taste in their mouth. They don't want to deal with that. So that's the big picture is, yeah, losing to Utah, terrible. It's not going to ruin the season. It's one game. You need to look at the rest of the schedule. BYU or Utah, one of those teams will make the NCAA tournament, and it's not going to be
1: Utah. It's not going to be Utah. This is the last non-conference game, by the way, for BYU. So this is it. This is the, the last big showcase game out of conference. If BYU can win it, it'd be nice because BYU's 3-3 three and three against the top 100. Do you know what Utah is? How many games they've had against top 100? Uh, No. They've had three games. Oh, well, there you go. They are 1-2. and two. I was going to say it's low. BYU is the, it, going 500 in top 100. That's all right. But Oregon, big time opportunity. And again, I'm tired of saying the word opportunity. I want to say victory. Now we dig into the specifics. What do you gotta change? Topic three:
0: What to fix? Dave Rose on how offensive struggles made BYU less aggressive.
2: We never really found ourselves. You know, our shooting percentage was so bad. I think that that guys uh, tried to take it on themselves to you know maybe get a little too deep with the ball or get to the rim. Uh, and scored. We th- we thought that that would be something that we could penetrate, uh, and then find open guys. And what, what happened? It seems like we uh, penetrated, maybe over penetrated a little bit, and got to the rim and had our time finishing. And then we got you know got fouled, and we got to the free throw line, and had our time making free throws, and so that that makes you a little less aggressive, you because know, you missed a couple of free throws and.
0: That's a really tough dynamic to be in because if you're not shooting the ball well from outside, naturally you think, okay, well, we're just going to go inside. We're going to get physical. We're going to get fouled. and we're Try gonna and shoot, get easier shots. We're going to shoot free throws. Well, now you're not making your free throws. And so Dave Rose says, now we get a little less aggressive. They have no go-to at that point. Outside shot, not falling. Inside, no success. When you're getting fouled, you're not making free throws. Yeah, it sounds you, like a terrible night. You can see why <laughs> the aggression is not there. Here are the things that BYU can do and could have done against Utah that I saw that I'm sure Dave Rose is addressing because, again, he's the coach and he notices everything. Pacing. When you get down big early to a team, a lot of teams get into the panic mode where you start to rush. It's the first half, okay? Or even early in the second half. BYU goes down 18. They, get a, they have a terrible start to the second half. You don't need to rush, just work, play good defense, work a shot on your end, work a play, get a good shot, pacing, pacing. I just felt like they were just rushing to the hoop, throwing stuff up. Try. I mean, they were trying so hard to create all sorts of contact, and they did somewhat somewhat accomplish that. But the pacing and throw, throwing up just bad rushed shots, I, I really feel like... They weren't squaring up. They they weren't moving their feet to the right place and and it just they looked totally out of sync. Slow slow down, chip away, chip away. That's so what good teams do.
1: Good teams don't get down by 20 on the road in the first half either. But the the issue the look, issue Look now- at
0: Arizona against Michigan. Arizona got down double digits to Michigan. Who won that game?
1: Arizona won that game. There you go. Arizona is the number 1 team in the country. Uh, they shouldn't get down in the first place. What the heck? Sometimes it happens. But the, the conversation here now is not about the Utah game. It's about how that game is going to be similar to to me the St. Mary's and Gonzaga games yes. on the road. BYU is going to encounter a similar environment, and the possibility exists that BYU could start slow. That's normal. It's okay to start slow. You don't always start fast. So if you do, what do you? What happens? What do you do about it? And you're exactly right. Taking good shots is really important. I'm going to point some guys out that when they're good, they're good. And when they struggle, they struggle. I'm going to be fair to the situation. Matt Carlino struggled from the field mightily. 3 for 15. BYU is going to be good if Matt Carlino can be good. I don't see a situation where if Matt Carlino struggles, that BYU can be a good team. Because he has the ball in his hands. And he is a good player. When he shoots good shots, BYU is a good team. They are. Because he's a scorer. He does well. But he struggled the last couple of games. He is, uh, at the beginning of the year, he was he was good. in that Stanford game, he was the one to lead the charge against Stanford. Uh, he was good against UMass. Uh, Matt Carlino needs to be effective for BYU. And then the Cougars, they've got to shoot better from the free throw line. They, they were doing a good job of, you know what? Our shots aren't going down. Let's get some easier buckets. But they went 17 for 31.
0: 17 for 31 from the free throw and line.
1: And the context of those free throws, if BYU shoots 75% and makes 7 or 8 of those, let's say they shoot 75% from the uh, from the stripe, then instead of an 18-point lead at that time, it's a 12-point lead, and then when you make a little bit of a run, it's a 7-point game and there's a timeout called, and it is different. And BYU shooting 5 of 19 from 3. They were 2 of 13, I believe, until the last 2 minutes of the game. You, When you're behind... You need to be able to shoot threes and make threes to come back. You need to do it. So BYU has to improve free throw shooting, three-point shooting. The biggest one to me, defense. Just got to play better defense. Got to be able to guard man-to-man. Got to be able to rebound in the zone. Rebounding in the zone
0: for me was huge. Has been all season. Rebounding in the zone and free throw shooting are two just blinking red warning lights that have been out there all season long.
1: BYU doesn't have Jackson Emery anymore. They don't have the, even Charles Abuo, the lockdown defender. It seems like Frank Bartley might be able to be that guy. He, he
0: will be that guy, I yeah, think. He will be that guy.
1: But these are things that like you need to improve soon if you want to actually win the WCC title. Get it done. BYU can go third and and not... It's not going to take a great effort to go third. I, I promise you. BYU it takes effort, but BYU's talented enough to take third and lose lose some and lose the ones they're supposed to lose and win the ones they're not they're supposed to win. But we're talking about BYU winning the WCC. What do they need to do? What hurts worse as a BYU
0: fan? A close loss to Utah in football back in September or a blowout loss like we saw on Saturday night to Utah in basketball. We'll get to some of your reaction via social media coming up next. Also, BYU Hoops gets a big recruit a little late. We'll explain who he is, why he's coming, and when to expect him in a BYU uniform. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation.
1: Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are
0: tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us on Twitter at Spencer underscore Linton
1: and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter machine following at BYU Sports Nation. Tonight on True Blue with Dave McCann, Bronco Hall is in studio. Blaine Fowler previews BYU bowl game uh, with Washington. Plus a feature on two sports star Lex Eaton of the women's basketball team. Watch and listen to True Blue tonight at 8.30 Eastern on BOE TV and BYU Radio. Also, right now, if you would like to be in the audience for Countdown to Kickoff on Friday, December 27th, you're more than welcome to. Sign up on TV.org slash audience. org slash audience. You get free pizza, watch the game on a 27-foot screen, and get on TV. It's awesome.
0: Spencer you need Linton any other, you need will be any other reasons?
1: Spencer Linton will be hosting that show as well. That's the go. only reason you probably need. <laughs> People are
0: now not signing up, Jeremy. Oh wait, what? Never mind. That. No. Give me a chance. Come on. What hurts worse as a BYU fan? A close loss to Utah in football back in September, or Saturday night's blowout loss to Utah in basketball? Why heck no. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Kristowiak. That, 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 that being when Jerem asked Larry Kristowiak if he wants to play BYU. Every year. And he said, heck no. Heck no. Well, heck no. <laughs> well, heck no. But he understands why it's a good game. And the rivalry's back. We touched on that in the, uh, in the first segment, and that is Utah's competitive now. That makes the rivalry better.
1: Good. I want good games with Utah not blow out losses in Salt Lake City
0: necessarily, just good competitive basketball games. In high
1: school, I went to Copper Hills in West Jordan. Bingham was our rival, but R- Copper Hills was not Bingham's rival. That's not fun, right? Jo- Jordan Lever- Leverage went to West Jordan as well. They weren't our rival either. They pounded us. Bingham pounded us. It was Riverton because it was more competitive to Facebook. What hurts worse, football
0: or basketball? We're talking of BYU losses to Utah. Freddie H...
1: Gian says, I can't even think about it. <laughs> Russell Alley. Yeah, why you got to bring up the Star One all over again? <laughs> it's a good point. It's sort of a Debbie Downer question. Eldon Barton, along those lines. I'd rather not talk about
0: it. <laughs> okay. Did anybody give us an answer? Alan Barker. The double basketball, women's and men's losses, and the way they played, or didn't play, hurt at least as much as football's football's loss for me. I was so upset I refused to even look at the sports section of the newspaper the last few days.
1: That's cool he gets the newspaper. What's that? Huh?
0: (laughs) Okay, we talked about the silver lining coming out of the weekend. BYU women's and men's team losing basketball, volleyball team loses in the Sweet 16. Yeah, it was awful. Not a great weekend. But... BYU does get a huge recruit. And in a lot of ways, transfers are kind of becoming this new wave of recruiting in college basketball. Like, if, if you're getting good players to transfer to your program, you're doing things right as a coaching staff and as a program. And BYU picked up a kid named Jamal Eitz from UNLV. They wanted him. They left the scholarship open for him late. UNLV came into the game, the recruiting game uh, on the tail end of things, and swayed him to Las Vegas. Well, guess what? Jamal
1: doesn't like what he saw in Sin City. He wants to come to Provo to play basketball for BYU. It's tough because BYU almost got him and would have had him for four full years. Uh, not a member of the uh, Not a member of the LDS faith. Six foot six, two hundred thirty pound forward. So a little thicker than uh, Kyle Collinsworth, but he's a post player. He played in four games, so he's going to have to burn this his freshman season. Is transferring to BYU. He will start practicing January sixth, and and here's the deal: he's going to have the same situation that Matt Carlino had. Uh, two seasons ago, which is transferred midseason, could join BYU that season, but can't play until he's been, and this is what uh, compliance told me, uh, he has to serve a year in residence, meaning attend the school for two full-time semesters. So he'll do that, what BYU calls winter semester, January to April, and then next fall. And then the day after the last day of finals, which is December 19th, last day of finals, he could play December 20th, 2014. So this gives BYU another low post score as we project ahead. Eric Meek is going to go on a mission. BYU is going to bring in return missionary freshman Isaac Nielsen, uh, true freshman out of high school, um, Ryan Andrus, and then they're going to add, uh, you have Nate Austin, you have Josh Sharp, uh, and then you have Jamal Lights. Now the question becomes, the, BYU has 14 players for 13 scholarships. Someone's not going to have a scholarship next year that has one now.
0: Well, uh, yeah. unless you
1: send Ryan Andrews on his mission early.
0: That brings up an interesting debate, doesn't it? Yeah, what to do right there. Uh, I'm sure people are wondering. Well, where does the Peyton Dashup kid come into play after what, his mission? When okay. he goes on a mission,
1: okay, then he comes back and plays.
0: So technically, Eitz could redshirt.
1: He could yes. redshirt next year, right? I think he'll play because of the dearth of post scoring. He's going to look to him to play the four and score.
0: So really, they, it's, we say half the year, but it's only the first month of the season. That's non-conference. So he can be with BYU the entire conference schedule. Yes. And maybe one or two non-conference games. You'll like, get to
1: know him already, like yeah. you did Carlino during Jimmer's senior year. He was on the bench. You saw him. There's a story or two about him. I'm sure True Blue will have something on him. January 6th is when he can start practicing. So he'll get to know the system, playing it. But BYU all of a sudden... Next year, adds Chase Fisher, Wake Forest, and Jamal Ides, UNLV. It's a shame because Jamal Ides will only play two and a half years at BYU. Next on BOE Sports
0: Nation, right here, we're going we're to do it. We haven't done it for a while, but it's, it's time that we bring this game back into fruition. Yes. And that is big deal or no deal.
1: Big deal. No deal.
0: The loss to Utah Hurts in the BYU's NCAA resume. Okay, here's an interesting topic because we brought up the strength of schedule discussion before the Utah game. Out of 351 Division I basketball teams, Utah was 331 going into the BYU game.
1: Now it's 325.
0: So it went up six spots. Congratulations. BYU was five. They were five. They're six now. So they dropped one. Even though they were playing the team that had the 331st toughest schedule, yeah. we didn't know what Utah was going to be. We had only seen them compete against one, quote unquote, pretty
1: solid team that was Boise State. Boise State, who beat St. Or uh, who lost St. Mary's barely, by the way. St. Mary's still undefeated.
0: Boise State lost to Kentucky last week and lost St. Mary's. Two good teams. Boise State's okay. Like they'll compete for a Mountain West Conference championship. They will.
1: Yes, Utah State. We're talking
0: to you. Boise State will will be at the top tier of the Mountain West Conference, but. That was all we had to go off, like, in terms of competition. Utah brought it against BYU. They played their best game of the year. And with that strength of schedule, is it a big deal or no deal that the loss hurts BYU's resume? I'd say no deal. Here's why. They play in the Pac-12. They're going to play Arizona twice. They're going to play UCLA twice. (laughs) Okay? They're going to play Cal twice. Oregon. They're going to play Oregon twice. Those teams are ranked. They have great strength of schedule. They have high RPIs. Utah's RPI and strength of schedule will get exponentially better once they get into conference play. So I don't think this loss hurts BYU's NCAA resume. It doesn't help them, but I don't think people are going to call at the end of the season because of... Utah's increasing strength of schedule and their competition level, people are not going to say the loss to, to Utah was a bad loss. It's not like losing to Portland or losing to San Francisco
1: last year. It's, going to be, it's just going to be a loss. And you took all my time, so I'll say no deal as well. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to allow it. You want, you want to say anything else, Jaren? No deal. Okay, fine. Number two. The Carlino slump. This is a huge deal. I want Matt Carlino to be a 14.6 assist guy. That's what I want him to be. I don't know. Maybe Matt feels like because he's a veteran that uh, maybe he feels like he needs to score 20 a night. But I I want Matt to be a 14.6 assist guy, take good shots, and be a facilitator. So his slump for me is a huge deal because I feel like as Matt Carlino and as Tyler Haas go, BYU goes. It's a big deal.
1: I agree with you. It is a big deal. BYU For BYU to be successful, as I said earlier in the show, BYU needs Matt Carlino. They need him. Uh, he's averaging 16 points a game so far this year. And BYU, when they were good, uh, have Matt Carlino in the mix. In the last uh, four games, let's take out the UMass game, 23 points in that game. Ha- had a great game. Uh, North Texas, Prairie View A&M, and Utah, he has scored 5, 7, and 7 points. With the assists, six, seven, and then zero against Utah. Uh, turnovers, one, six, and two. He needs to not only score, but he needs to set BYU up for good opportunities. He's a good scorer. He's he's a shoot first point guard. I like Matt Carlino's game when he takes good shots. That's the key. If he, when he squares up, he's one of BYU's better shooter shooters. Maybe the second best shooter on the team. So big, big deal. The slump is a big deal. Matt Carlino is a good
0: basketball player. And he will show that in West Coast Conference play. He is. He just needs He just needs some more coaching. It just needs to happen. All right, let's go number three. No ball practices until Thursday. Look, this is not a big deal at all. Four bowl wins in a row. Should say it enough. Bronco Mendenhall is not going to change
1: anything because it's working. Not a big deal that BYU had time off. This is the agree with each other big deal, I think. Because I agree. Uh, it's not a big deal. It's no It's no deal. What BYU has done has been working, and guess what? BYU is going to be rejuvenated as a result of their rest. No deal. Let's go number four. An
0: interim head coach in Washington. Okay. For me, this is not as big a deal as people are making it out to be. Washington still has good players. They've still played with each other all season long. So if Tuiasa comes in and he's the guy that's... Calling the plays. He's not going to try anything crazy or cavalier. And they've got Chris Peterson coming in. It's going to help out. He's going to give him every bit of information he has on BYU that when he played him with Boise State.
1: Man, that worked against BYU.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not as big a deal as people are making. I think maybe Washington could use it to use this to its advantage, like, oh yeah, we're not going to show up to play because we're in transition. Blah, blah. And then they they still have Keith Price. They still have Bishop Sankey. They've got a formidable defense they're a good football team, so the fact that Sark is not coaching the game yeah it's it's a deal, but I don't think it's a big deal. Washington's still good either way.
1: Yes, Washington is good, but this is a big deal. Do you know how much coaching experience he has? He was the assistant strength coach at Washington oh nine and ten, eleven a grad assistant in tw- last year was his first time actually coaching, so he was the tight ends coach at UCLA and then this year with the quarterbacks. He has not been a head coach. He's not the the situations when you call a timeout. What uh, what you do with certain players? Certain the whole being a head coach. He's never done it. There's going to be some situation where BYU takes advantage of it. This is a big deal. Not to mention that he doesn't even have a full coaching staff. That's a bigger deal. Players play,
0: coaches coach. Let's go number
1: five. The Logan Takeover. Oh, this
0: is a huge deal. Brian Logan comes in last Friday with Jerem on vacation and states his mantra off the top. I am not a guest host. I am taking over for Jerem Jordan. I'm ta- he even hashtagged it, Logan Takeover. That's a big deal.
1: <laughs> I'm obviously going to go with no deal because I don't see Brian Logan in here today. <laughs> Plus, you can't create your own hashtag and then only like two or three people weigh in on it. There's no movement there. <laughs> My favorite tweet with the hashtag Logan Takeover was,
0: wait, isn't that just a BYU game against Utah State and Logan? Yeah. The Logan
1: no, Takeover? That was good. That was good. I'm going to go no deal on the Logan Takeover.
0: Oh, we love Brian, Brian Logan. Brian did a fantastic job. He did a good job. I imagine he'll, he'll be back. Uh, whether I'm gone or you're gone, I imagine Brian Logan will be back on B. That's what Sports Brian Nation. brings here, though. He's a cornerback. It's John, talk, 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 talk. John, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> back to Twitter. Which hurts worse, football loss to Utah or basketball loss? Go to at Cougarosity. Both, but I give the edge to the football loss.
1: Okay. <laughs> at CBD6262. Hashtag paper cuts and lemon juice. Everybody's,
0: everybody's on that spiel today. Like, Don't bring it up. You're just adding insult to injury. At the GM 11, probably a blowout loss in basketball. Okay, so we have someone who feels worse about the basketball game. No excuse losing to Utah this year or even for the next five years. So he is a person that feels like BYU should blow Utah out of the water in basketball. The programs are at different levels. Okay.
1: I felt that way, too. That's why I'm so flabbergasted here on a Monday after that performance. At Stevie P
0: F 22. Basketball. And then he says, I think Witt, Coach Whittingham, football coach, has a nice number. This year's basketball team just wasn't focused, which I thought Rose would take care of. Love we'll more of your social media reaction. Up next, we're just 11 days away from the Fight Hunger Bowl in San Francisco. ESPN college football expert and Monday regular Trevor Maddich joins us for another Maddich Monday. Our bowl preparation starts next. This is
1: BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this.
0: Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill and you're listening to BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Spencer Linton and Jerem
1: Jordan. Friday, December 27th, put your bowl game faces on. Absolutely. It's a full game day of football on BYU TV. Listen to this, starting at 7 Eastern. We'll show the 2010, 11, and 12 bowl games in 30 minutes each. Yeah, 30 minutes each, leading up to a live countdown to kickoff for BYU and Washington at 8.30 Eastern. Join us Friday, December 27th on BYU TV. And again, in person, if you'd like to be in the audience, sign up right now. You can reserve a seat on BYUtv.org slash audience. Or you know what? Just straight up show up. Ages 8 and up. Just show up. Eat pizza, watch. We football. want you to come hang out Exper- if you're local. Experience awesome. If you're not, watch it on TV.
0: <laughs> that invitation is also extended to Trevor Maddich, but I'm, I'm guessing he's probably got something going on. And speaking of that, we welcome Trevor Maddich back to BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, BYU begins official bowl game practices on Thursday. Some people think that's crazy that BYU's not practicing until Thursday. They've taken this much time off, but Broncos won four bowl games in a row. How do you feel about the Cougars taking this time off?
2: I think it's all right. You know, one way or the other, they'll lose, some, um, they'll lose some precision, they'll lose some timing, and you can either get some of it back and then take a rest and then get the rest of it back, or you can just start it and go, you know, and so I'm okay with it. I just know that uh, it's always fun to, to think of BYU and bowl games and taking time off at all because, you know, when we would go to the Holiday Bowl every year because that's where, you know, the, the Holiday Bowl got its reputation for being such an exciting bowl game. We were doing side adjusts and option routes and all kinds of things that required precision between the quarterback and receivers, and in the layoff, we would lose some of that precision and timing. So we'd go to the Holiday Bowl and fall behind in the first half as we were trying to get the timing back. Then in the second half, we'd mount a furious comeback, and sometimes we'd succeed and sometimes we wouldn't, but it gave the Holiday Bowl that reputation of being just an awesome bowl to watch because of the furious, wacky, wild endings. And so... This is a different style of BYU offense, but it's still dependent in large measure on timing with the quarterback and the meshes and things like that. So you know how fast they get that timing back will be important.
1: Trevor, when you look at uh, the expectation for BYU now to win bowl games – uh, in the past, that wasn't necessarily something for BYU as they kind of struggled in bowl games. When you went to them, you, BYU started to win, and that started to become a tradition. Uh, what was the experience like preparing for that with the layoff? And back in the day, there's no indoor practice facility. You were, what, in the Smith Fieldhouse or outside?
2: Yeah, we, we loved going into the fieldhouse because that meant we couldn't run around much. <laughs> there wasn't enough space. But, it's, uh, but yeah, we were outside, and that was interesting, getting ready for the, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, preparing for the first week in in Provo, in the snows of Utah. So, uh, but but it was fun. It was fine. I mean, we we loved playing football. You know, that was a team that enjoyed being together. We enjoyed the game. We enjoyed practices. We we just loved it. And so, you know, we saw that as being just a, a cherry on top of a season that was awesome. But at the same time, when you talk about the national championship, there was more in that last Holiday Bowl that I played in '84 in than just a a reward and an extra game and and. Uh, the swag and all the stuff that you get. You know, you it was a serious, intense focus because of what was at stake. We knew that if we beat Michigan, we had a good chance to be national champions. And, and if that's not enough to make you want to be in a bowl game, that, that, there's nothing that will.
0: ESPN's Trevor mattis joining BYU Sports Nation. It is Maddis Monday. Uh, Trevor, let me ask you this. You bring up the bowl game swag. Players these days are getting Xbox 360s. Plasma screens. What was the best swag you got as a BYU football player?
2: Oh, well, a meal here and there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my first Holiday Bowl, uh, we, went, we got a plastic cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. What? A square sticker that said Holiday Bowl on it that <laughs> you peeled off of, of the sticker paper and, and stuck onto the helmet or the front of the hat. And if you were lucky, that sticker wasn't too terribly crooked. They gave us these Holiday Bowl watches that were gold in color, but they turned your wrist green. And mine broke after about the first 10 minutes of wearing it. I guess just swinging my arms back and forth walking was too much. So back then, swag wasn't what it was about, certainly not at the level that we played.
0: Do you still have the hat?
2: you Uh, You know, I don't have the hat, but I do have the watch.
0: Wow, how about that? How about that? We're going to need hope yeah. one day
2: to get it fixed. I may need it one day.
0: We're going to need to see that at some point. Maybe you should bring that to Media Day to come out again.
2: Yeah, that, that, listen, it, it, people will flock to see it.
1: <laughs> I was surprised you didn't get an, an Atari or a VCR player.
2: Oh, come on, date me now. Back then, <laughs> that was state of the art electronic technology.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Now, as we look at BYU's game, uh, you know it seems like a a good matchup among all the bowl games this year. What are the three non-BCS bowl games that stick out to you as maybe the most exciting?
2: Well, there's a bunch of really good ones. And I think the BCS, except for one, the Fiesta Bowl, who knows how that's going to turn out. UCF and that one against Baylor, that might be tough. But I like the Capital One Bowl. That's Wisconsin against South Carolina. In in the age of high-tech spread offenses, this one is going to be a, a... Lugfest. South Carolina with Steve Spurrier is still very much a running team and I think that'll be a fun game to watch because of the physicality. I like the ATT Cotton Bowl because you've got Oklahoma State against Missouri. These are two of the best offenses in the nation and this should be a high-flying shootout and it could be a whole lot of fun. Missouri's looking their wounds from getting torched by Auburn and I expect their defense to be a bit better. They in that game I went back and watched the tape and, and Auburn, as well as they did in terms of just blocking and running, gave up over the yards rushing in part because Missouri just lost their mind and ran out of their gaps without being blocked. So I think they'll be better in this game. It should be fun. And then other one just kind of way under the radar, but there's sort of a personal reason for it, is the Idaho famous Potato Bowl. Whoa. Now, this one's in Boise. This is Buffalo against San Diego State. And the reason I like this one is that Boise, I don't know if you know this, but Boise's in Boise, and that's (laughs) like it's cold. So here comes Buffalo, and they're used to being cold. It'll be normal for them. But here's San Diego State. Now keep in mind that when BYU went to the Holiday Bowl, we would leave the snows of Utah and spend a week on Mission Beach. It felt like a reward. San Diego State is going to leave Mission Beach and go to the snows of Boise, Idaho. So how will they perform? You know, so to me, there's a lot of human factor there and to, to see exactly how the Aztecs uh, uh, perform when they, when they leave paradise and go up and face a team that's accustomed to the cold.
1: Okay, kind of a curveball at the end, but I like it. You mentioned the AT&T Cotton Bowl. Do you know the sponsors to all the bowl games?
2: Uh, I do not, but I try to be faithful to them uh, because thank, thank, I thank them for, for providing the sponsorship because it makes it happen. And uh, my favorite one is the, I uh, like the Beef O'Brady's Bowl. I don't even know what Beef O'Brady's <laughs> is, but man, any, any bowl with the word beef in it, I think it's pretty
1: awesome. There's so many. One day we're going to have to play Name the Sponsor. Right. Yeah. But like, it's the, it's the Poinsettia Bowl. What's the sponsor? It's the yeah, Hawaii Houston Bowl. County Credit Union. Yes, hey, nice let, job. hey, let's play it right now. Las Vegas Bowl, what's the sponsor?
2: Oh, no idea.
1: Royal Purple.
2: Royal purple? How could I not know? What, what's royal purple? What do they do? I thought it's it was a, a motor thought, oil. I
0: initially thought it was an
1: alcohol. Yeah, it's motor yeah, oil. We were like, "What? If, how could BYU <laughs> play in that game?" What's the uh, the Hawaii Bowl? Sheridan. Nice. Uh, Little Caesars Bowl.
2: Uh, it has to be Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, how about the Holiday Bowl? The Holiday Bowl now has a sponsor. What is it?
0: Pacific Life. No, no.
2: it used to be it's now the National University Holiday Bowl, and people get all freaked out. You know, the Peach Bowl. I think it's the Peach Bowl, it's not the Chick-fil-A Bowl, or the Outback Bowl, one of the two. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A. But I'm so appreciative of Chick-fil-A for coming in and, you know, the, the swag and the, 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 the sponsorships are important. And I don't mind the companies getting their, their share of recognition for the great support that they give to those bowls. So I'm not, I'm not among those people that's all mad that the names of the bowls have, have shifted or have been changed. I'm okay with that.
0: Trevor Maddich, uh, man, this has been a great conversation about the bowl game scenario thus far on BYU Sports Nation. I do want to take you back to BYU-Washington for just a moment. There's been so much discussion about the coaching carousel taking place up in Seattle and that Marcus Tuiasasopo is taking over. Do you feel like that could be a danger zone for BYU if they look at that situation and and potentially think that, well, Washington's in a weird scenario, so they're not going to show up? What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, big danger zone. Now, I don't see much chance of... BYU is a team doing that just because I know the coaching staff. And this coaching staff will make sure that the leaders in the locker room know how important it is. And those locker room leaders will take care of the rest of it. So that's okay. But here's the thing for fans. they got to realize that Washington's eight and 4 but th- this is a good team. I mean, they were undefeated heading into the Stanford game. I lost three games in a row to Stanford, Oregon, and Arizona State. Arizona State, you know, they, they played in the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game. And – Stanford, Washington shut them down. I mean, the Cardinal only had 279 total yards. Washington had twice as many first downs as Stanford, and really lost that game on a couple of offensive mistakes and a couple of really weird calls by the officials. So they took a running game that is as powerful as there is on the West Coast, and they shut it down. Then they play Washington State in the last game of the regular season. Washington State is one of the craziest, most high-flying passing attacks. On the West Coast and they held them to about 280 yards uh, passing even though they threw the ball almost 60 times Washington State did so when you look at running and when you look at throwing on defense this Washington team did a, a fantastic job when they faced the best on their on their schedule well BYU has got to be balanced on offense in order to be able to move the ball even so being balanced won't be enough they'll have to win and the athletes on Washington have proven that they can win Against very high level competition, so this will be if this will be a tough game, and if BYU wins it, it will be a quality win, maybe the best win on the schedule this year.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, ESPN's Trevor Maddich joins BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Trevor, finally, the Heisman. Uh, Jameis Winston is he uh, was he the guy for you?
2: No, no, he had a Heisman worthy season, and I'm fine with him winning the Heisman Trophy. He he deserved the Heisman Trophy, based on what he did on the field. But I would have given it to Boston College's Andre Williams, the running back, uh, just because he was the only threat on Boston College's team. All defenses stacked up to stop him. He had to face the number three and number four defenses in the nation in Virginia Tech and Florida State, and and he combined for over 300 yards rushing against them, even though he was the only threat. And in 11 games, He had over 2,000 yards rushing. Only six people in history had more rushing yards after 11 games than Andre Williams did. And that's important because there used to be only 11 games in the regular season. And so because of the nature of the support around him, the defenses he had to face, I would have given it to Andre Williams over Jameis Winston. But even so, Jameis Winston had the kind of remarkable um, year that he deserves it. And by the way, credit needs to go to the Heisman voters. Because no one saw Jameis Winston coming preseason. You know, he had a good season opener against Pitt, kind of put himself on the radar early. But it's not like in recent years the Heisman voters have been locked into the glamour names from August and just followed them through and picked one at the end. Guys like RG3, guys like Mark Ingram of Alabama, Cam Newton, either didn't play for Johnny Manziel, either didn't play for their team or didn't start for their team the year before they won the Heisman, or weren't even on their team the year before they won the Heisman. So give the Heisman voters credit, and credit again, for looking outside the box for a winner.
0: Trevor Maddich, owner of a sweet 1984 Holiday Bowl watch that turned his wrist green. <laughs> we thank you for the time. Always great to talk with you.
2: Always great to talk with you guys.
0: Thanks, Four Trevor.
1: Cougars.
2: All right, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars
1: in the NFL. Tonight it's a BYU Bowl on Monday Night Football as Dennis Pitta and the Ravens play Ziggy Ansah and the Lions. How about that? Women's basketball. Undefeated
0: BYU, lost to Utah. Saturday in double overtime for its first loss of the season. The Cougars can get back to the winning trend against Utah State Saturday
1: 4 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Women's volleyball. Cougars lost in four sets at six seed USC Friday night in the Sweet 16, ending BYU season. Congratulations to Sean Olmsted and the Cougars for reaching the Sweet 16 in the last two seasons. That team's going to
0: the Final Four
1: next year. Jennifer Hampson. With Jen we'll be Hampson. Back. That team is going to the Final Four. Bronco
0: Mendenhall on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. We are all access with the head football coach of the Cougars as they get set to open up practice. We go back, uh, well, first of all,
1: let's do the Rise and Shout, then we'll get to more Twitter. Yeah, Kate Hansen, the Luge Duke, if you missed it. BYU student, qualified for the 2014 Olympics in Sochi, Russia, in the Luge. Kate Hansen gets today's Rise and Shout.
0: Go get it done in Sochi. That's so cool. All right, what hurts worse as a BYU fan, a close loss to Utah in football or a blowout loss to Utah in basketball? I'm going to skip down a few. I'm going to go to this one. This comes from Prez. He says, downplaying the Utah loss equals Obamacare will be okay. (laughs) You guys, showing your rivalry naivete. Losing sucks. I'm not saying the loss to Utah doesn't doesn't stink. It's horrible.
1: It's the worst thing ever.
0: Yes, but it doesn't define your season. Did the loss to Utah in football define BYU season? No. Guess who's in a bowl game, and guess who's not in a bowl game? It doesn't define the season. Basketball even more. There are 30 to 35
1: basketball games. The loss hurts now, but it does not define the team. Listen, if you define the season by the Utah loss, you're like Utah State. Because the season oftentimes boils down to whether you beat BYU or not. Or sometimes Utah. BYU likes to think that they're not like that. That the season does not is not defined by whether you beat Utah or not. And my producer, Ben Bagley, is going to blow a gasket because I played the little <laughs> brother card
0: for Utah State. He's throwing things against listen, the, the window.
1: Listen, we, wanna, we want BYU to beat Utah more than anyone else. Guess what? It would make our job a little easier on this Monday. But it didn't happen, and it's not the season. B, what if BYU goes to the Sweet 16 in basketball? What? That couldn't happen. Yeah, it could. It could happen. And then, who cares if you lost to Utah? Exactly. Who cares? Goodness. It, yeah, Chesh Sports. Uh, he says, it defines a season when you're surrounded by Ute fans at homework, church, etc. <laughs> Touche. We'll, uh, we'll give you that, man. Let, we'll give you that one. Listen, BYU can do some stuff later that will make it so y- it was Utah's bowl game in basketball and football. All of a sudden, you have a bowl game in basketball. Yeah, I said it.
0: Yeah, well... I, that that's true. When you're surrounded by you, it's that that is tough. that's tough. Hey, that's tough. wade
1: through, brother. Wade
0: through. Stay stay strong. Stay strong. At Brockman,
1: Chris. Does it matter? Question mark. A loss is a loss. Both hurt. <laughs> well said. Thanks to Trevor Madich and everyone on our crew today. Producer Ben Bagley, who's going to blow a gasket. Senior coordinating producer Michael Miner. Station manager Don Doncheline. Production assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, and the engineer A, a-, a- Ron Evans.
0: Check out our brand new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and a lot of other good stuff. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at byuradio.org. Good luck to all of the students in finals week, including the Cougar Hoopsters. For Jerem, I'm Spencer, and you have just listened to a jam-packed Monday edition
1: of BYU Sports Nation.